0: Hello, my name is Scott Gilliland. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Lovers Lane. I'm excited to be with you party people in Crosswalk. It's been a little while. Uh, normally, my wife Reagan and I, were both pastors here. We uh, co-pastor the service right before this one at 9.30 called Thrive. So it's fun to get to worship with y'all. Y'all have a bit more energy than my 9.30 crowd does. You guys like to worship loud and proud, and it's awesome. So thank you for having me in here today. Uh, we are kicking off our new Advent sermon series called Christmas Records. Where We're going to each week look at a song that many of us know and love, and, uh, and we're going to pair that with the scripture and sort of see where that takes us. And so this morning, we just sang that song, we, uh, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, uh, with that really cool Coldplay clock smash-up that we had. That was our, isn't our band like one of the best bands you've ever heard? Like those guys, they could go on tour, and I'm so glad that they stop here every Sunday morning and worship with us. We are incredibly blessed to have them and to have Didi's leadership with them. Um, God rest you, Mary gentlemen. We're going to get there, I promise. We're going to get there. If you've heard me preach before, you know it can take a while to get there. But but Papa Scott will get us there on our road trip of faith, okay? So we're going to get there, I promise. Well, We're going to start by reading some scripture, fancy that, uh, found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. For those of us with our Bibles this morning or Bible apps, Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Now, this is a story that many of us have heard So many times. I mean, this is the Christmas season. We hear these stories year after year after year. And so the problem can be that sometimes we think we know these stories. We think we've learned everything we can learn from these stories. I mean, how many times have you seen, just like a children's nativity, how many times have you seen or heard the story of the angel announcing to Mary that she will give birth to Jesus? How many times have you seen or heard that story? So many times. So many times. And today I want us to hear it a little bit differently because I think What we do with this story is what we do with a lot of scripture, and that is we sanitize it. We make it nicer than it really is. The story of the angel appearing to Mary, if we put ourselves in the seat of people hearing this story 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. This story is frightening. This story is life-changing. It's life-threatening. This is not an easy, feel-good story. Now it is today because we know how it ends, but if we really allow ourselves to hear the story for what it is, this is a difficult story. And so when we read the scripture this morning, we're going to see the scripture on the screens. You're going to see it as it appears in your Bibles. But I'm going to take one little artistic license and change something small, but I think significant that allow us to hear the story for the way it would have been heard by someone 2,000 years ago, but we're going to hear it today. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town. I already messed up what I was supposed to do. Let's reboot that. In the sixth month, it says the angel Gabriel. Today we're going to call Gabriel Dr. Gabriel. In the sixth month, Dr. Gabriel was sent to God, by God, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. So Joseph was a man of importance and respect in his community. The virgin's name was Mary. The doctor came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The doctor said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor in God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You're pregnant, and you'll name him Jesus. Isn't that exciting? He'll be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Everybody's going to know about this child. Mary says to the doctor, Doctor, how can this be? Because I'm still a virgin. The doctor says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And the doctor departed her. Let's pray. Gracious God, a lot of these words that we've heard from your servant named Luke to resonate within us anew this morning. Allow a familiar story to breathe new life into our souls. And allow us to find the peace and rest that Mary finds in the challenging words offered to her by the angel. In your son's holy and precious name we pray and we say, amen. So I changed the angel to a doctor because I want to be clear about what this is. This is a young woman, teenager, engaged to be married. She's done everything she's supposed to have done according to her community standard, she is pure in her community's eyes. she's a virgin she's engaged to a guy who's not like the mayor or the king but you know he's a relative of David so he's of some importance and he's got a good study job carpenter stone layer um, and she's getting told by a messenger from God that she's pregnant while engaged and not just that but the child's not going to be Joseph's child. It's going to be God's child, which certainly everyone will believe. And not only that, this child is God's son and is destined to save the world, so people are going to find out. <laughs> this isn't something that she can go away for nine months and come back, right? This is news that is going to rock and challenge her world and is literally life threatening for a young woman living in the Middle East in a small town 2,000 years ago. This is not news that sounds good to the casual listener. Have you ever gotten news from God? Have you ever had something in your life happen where at the end of the day you could see it was good news, but in the moment it certainly didn't sound like it? Do you know how it feels to be Mary? I've gotten news that didn't sound good. Now, when, when I hear Mary's story, when I hear the words of the angel, my mind always works in threes. Three's a good number. I don't know what it's about that. But there's, there's three things that jump out of me, out of the story to me, that are really bitter truths that don't sound like good news to this listener. And yet, at the end of the day, Mary is able to respond with peace and with comfort. How she gets there? We're going to talk about that. But first, we've got to talk about these three vinegar truths. Do y'all like swallowing vinegar truths? Is that fun for y'all? Because buckle up. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about three really hard truths that I think we have to wrestle with in this message that's brought to us by the angel Gabriel. And then once we've wrestled with those truths, then we can find some rest and some peace in Mary at the end. And, oh yeah, God rest you Mary, gentlemen going to show up there somewhere. I promise. Okay? Y'all ready to go on a trip with me? Okay, good. Vinegar truth number one. You think you know, but you don't. You think you know, but you don't. How many of us are know-it-alls in the room? If you're watching the stream with a know-it-all, give them a little jab with your elbow right now. I'm a know-it-all. I know every, well, let let me put a caveat in there. I know useless trivia. Any other useless trivia know-it-alls? I can tell you, I know the geodesic dome was invented by Robert Buckminster Fuller, right? I know that kind of stuff. When is it ever going to be useful? Not in my ordination paperwork that I'm currently writing. Not there. But I know this stuff, right? I'm a know-it-all. And what I have to wrestle with in this angel's message is that I don't know everything. I bet Mary knew what her year was going to hold. Ever been like Mary? Did you know what your year was going to hold? How many of us knew what 2017 was going to hold? I'm willing to bet it didn't turn out like you thought it would. How many of you this past week went differently than you anticipated? How many of you this morning went differently than you thought it would? You think you know, but you don't. That's a tough one for me to swallow. That's a tough one for me to swallow. Speaking of swallowing, I thought I knew what was going to happen with that pocky chip. We saw earlier. I like spicy foods. My wife is from Kansas. She hates spicy foods. I love spicy foods. Like, I go to the Thai restaurant. You know those little tiny red peppers that they've put on stuff you ever had? Oh, boy, those things are hot, but I like them. That's fun. This, this brought the devil out of me. I feel like, I feel like I understand what it means to be, like, purified in the fire, right? Like, that's, like, yes, I've been there. I know what that feels like. Guys, like, that end with this, like, the snot and tears and just everything. And let me say, the next 24 hours are not better. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. It gets worse, right? Your body does not know how to respond to what you just ate. Like, it just does it's just a hard reset. The whole thing is just a hard reset. Sometimes you think you know, but you don't. You don't know. I want to go back in time to Scott as he's about to take that. Chip. I'm like, dude, you have no idea what you're in for. Sometimes you think you know. Mary thought she knew it your year whole. She, she thought she was getting ready for a wedding. She thought she was going to have this beautiful, perfect little wedding with beautiful, perfect little Joseph. And they were going to have a beautiful, perfect little family and beautiful, perfect little Nazareth and live a beautiful, perfect little life. And Angel Gabriel just shot that to heck. We think we know, but we don't. As human beings, if we're going to be in a relationship with the God of the universe who does know everything... And we're going to ask that God to be active in our lives. And we need to look at the story of Mary and realize that we've got to give up knowing. (laughs) We've got to give up predictability. We've got to give up saying, oh, yeah, I know what's happening next week. We don't know. You don't know. You just don't know. I don't know. And I hate that. And it tastes like vinegar going down. But I've got to accept that if I want to move forward. So my question for us is, when's the last time that God has challenged you? When is the last time that God has spoken to you and you've gone, oh my gosh, I had no idea? When's the last time that your faith with God has challenged you or has changed you or has put you in some sort of difficult circumstance? Because this whole idea that all God wants for us is comfort and joy, listen, we find comfort and joy, but God will send us to difficulty and difficult circumstances. God will challenge us more than anything else. So when's the last time that God challenged you? When's the last time God challenged your plans, challenged your certainties? And if we can't point to that with a finger, if we can't say, oh, this is the last time I felt myself challenged by God, then I think we got a problem. I think we're trying to find a God who only offers us comfort, and that, my friends, that's not the God of the Bible. Bitter truth number two. Now, we're going to talk about some bitter truths, then we're going to get some good news, okay? I promise, this is not like a depressing Christmas sermon. Bitter truth number two, this is the one that everyone really liked at 9.30. Not everybody's going to like you. How many of you like to be liked? Raise your hand. Let me see. Not everybody likes you. Someone over here, raise your hand. Who likes to be liked? Mike, there are so many in this world that can't stand your guts, dude. Oh, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. You know what the best? No, like literally, everybody in this room, there are dozens of people who do not like you. They just don't like you. And you know what? It gets better. You can't do anything about it. You can't. They're just not going to like you. You could bend over backwards. Eh, still don't like you. In fact, there is probably someone in, the, in this world that you don't even know. You don't even know their name, and they hate your guts. <laughs> it's true. And you can work your whole life to be the nicest, most caring, most wonderful person, and people will still not like you. If I were to say, hey, name, name like a saint, like somebody who just, I mean, no one could ever talk bad about them, right? I, I've heard people talk about Mother Teresa. Tons of people hate Mother Teresa, like, Google it. Literally, there are millions of people that hate Mother Teresa. And she is way better than you are. <laughs> objectively, I'm not saying, it's not even an opinion. Like, objectively, she's a better person than everyone in this room, right? It's Mother Flippin' Teresa, all right? <laughs> if people hate Mother Teresa, you can bet they can't stand you. Not everybody's gonna like us. Can you imagine being a teenage girl in a small town in the Middle East 2000 years ago and you just found out you're pregnant and it's not with your fiance and it's before you got married. Mary was probably very liked. She's probably one of the popular kids. <laughs> now she's under threat of being stoned to death. Literally. Our gospels tell us that Joseph, when he was before the angel, appears to Joseph and says, whoa, whoa, whoa you need to stay with Mary. Joseph, because he's actually kind of a good guy, he, he thinks to himself, okay, I know I got to get out of this because, I, like, I believe it's God's son. Really, Mary? Come on. But I don't want her to die, so I got to leave her quietly so the town doesn't stone her to death. Literally, her life is threatened by the news she's just received from the angel. And, and this is good news, mind you, right? This is the savior of the world's coming into the into the world. Jesus is here. Son of God is here. And that means that people are going to want to kill her. I don't care how good you live your life. I don't care how much you follow God. I guarantee you, no matter how good you live your life, no matter how much you listen to God's will, people are not going to like you. It's just the bottom line. And sometimes they don't like you because you're following God's will. Like in the case of Mary. Now, sometimes people don't like you because you're a jerk and we can talk later and have a come to Jesus meeting. This is not full license, like, oh, it's so I can go be a jerk. No, 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 no. But it doesn't matter if you're Mary, Mother of God, or Mother Teresa, people are not gonna like you. It's just the reality. And for people pleasers like me, that is a bitter pill to swallow. Amen? It's not fun. But it's the truth. And a God is a God of truth, and we have to be a people of truth. So we have to accept these truths no matter how bitter they might taste. Here's my last one. This one's, whew. Who is really passionate about some sort of project in the world? Is there, is there something that's wrong with this world that you desperately want to fix? Yeah? If that's you, say amen. If there's something that, that sort of burns in your belly when you wake up, that, that passion, that drive, say amen. Real loud and proud. Okay. You can't save the world. You can't save the world. That big, big problem, that big brokenness that you see at work in the world, I don't care what it is. Maybe it's something small, maybe it's something enormous. You're not going to fix it on your own. You're not. Who has a savior complex? You know what I mean by that? It means you're a Mr. Fix It or a Mrs. Fix It. You see something wrong, you got to make it better. In my relationship with my wife, I've had to learn three simple rules. Honey, I'm sorry. She tells me something's wrong, I want to go in and fix it. She doesn't need that. She needs me to empathize with her. Honey, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a Mr. Fix-It. The angel approaches Mary. He tells her some really good news. You're giving birth to the Savior of the world, but listen to what he says. <laughs> he doesn't say, Mary, you're going to save the world. This says Mary, Mother of God. I mean, surely if someone could save the world, it's Mary, Right? Mary you're going to carry the savior of the world. I don't care how long you work. I don't care how much your knuckles bleed. I don't care how much passion's in your belly. You can't save the world on your own. And that's really hard for some of us. In fact, there's very few problems that we'll face in this life that we'll solve on our own. And in fact, we would say in the Christian faith that we don't solve anything on our own because what we do is we're empowered and uplifted by the Holy Spirit. And anything good that comes out of us comes from that. Now, I'm not saying don't wake up with a passion in your belly. I'm not saying don't wake up and don't try. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you look out in this world and you see how broken and wounded and wounding it is, understand that you as an individual are not going to fix everything. You just can't. Now, Mary, she was a, a sweet young woman when this angel was talking. She probably hadn't seen the hurt and brokenness of the world quite yet. But don't you think she did by the end? I mean, Imagine being Mary. She gives birth to this beautiful baby boy. She goes back home. Man, before she even gives birth, when she's in her third try, can you imagine walking around Nazareth as Mary in her third try? You think people were mean to her? <laughs> you think she got, she got invited to dinner as often? Have you ever known somebody who was a teen mom today in like the 2000s? I did when I was a student pastor at my home church. I was a youth ministry director. There was a young woman I knew who got pregnant when she was a teen. And I'll say, you know, a lot of the church treated her with love and kindness and respect and warmth. And a lot of people didn't. And that was in Bedford, Texas in like the 2000s, in the new millennia. We're talking the Middle East in a small town 2,000 years ago. You think sociology was a little bit different back then? Imagine walking around third try with baby Jesus' as Mary in small town Nazareth. Now imagine you raise that kid in the church, in the temple that you love. And he hungers for it, and he learns about it, and he, and he gets so good at it. He's even teaching rabbis, and then that same church shoves him out. Says, you're not welcome here. Now, Crosswalk, I know, what it, we, I know that we know what it feels like to be made unwelcome at church. Mary saw that firsthand. And then that same child becomes a man who leads this incredible revival in your faith. And the response of these churchy, good churchy people is to call for his death. And the state is complicit. This Roman entity that's supposed to oversee your people, the state is complicit. And they put him up on a cross. And all these good churchy church types that you know and you used to love are standing around him cheering it on. Every agony, every suffering, every humiliation, they love it. You think Mary knew what it was like to live in a broken, wounded world? You think she looked around and saw a world that needed saving? I think so. But we got to start here with the bitter truth that not Mary and not you and not me are going to save this world on our own. We need something more. We need something more than passion and more than our two hands and our two feet. Now, how is it that Mary can swallow these really difficult truths? You think you know and you don't. Not everybody's going to like you. And you can't save the world on your own. How does Mary swallow these difficult truths and come out the other side and say this? Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. My gosh, how many of us would have gotten there? Not me. Would you have gotten there? I don't think so either. I'll tell you why. It has to do with this song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Now, I'll be honest. Pastor Kenan, wait, now, Pastor Kenan picked this song this week. And when he picked it, and I looked at it, I thought, what are we talking about? I he said, no, 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 it's about a comma. I said, Kenan, are we preaching on a comma? Now, I'm an English major, but I don't know how to do a whole sermon about a comma. I don't. I don't know how to do it. And I also was like, what does the comma have to do with anything? He's like, no, no, it's all about the comma. I was like, what are you? It's this weird old song with weird old words. He's like, no, Scott, sit and listen. Now, Kenan knows I'm ADD. I'm the wazoo, right? And so he's like, sit still and listen to me for five minutes. And so I did. And now I'm preaching on a comma, right? Uh, Because the comma is important. In the the first line of that song, it says, God rest ye, merry gentlemen. And most of the time we hear this line and we think that it's saying, hey, take a break, you happy guys, right? God rest ye, merry gentlemen, right? These gentlemen are just, okay, you know. (laughs) I don't, like I said, it's a weird song. I was like, I don't have a lot of meat here to work with, you know. He's like, no, 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 the, look at where the comma is. I said, okay, I'll look at where the comma is. And, God rest ye merry, comma, gentlemen. I went, wait a second, what? He goes, do you see it? I said, I think. Help me out. <laughs> he said, do you notice that the word Mary is attached to rest, not to gentlemen? Oh. You're like, he said, it's not saying that the guys are happy and they can take a load off. It's saying, people, you can have a merry rest, rest merrily, because Christ our Savior is born. That's a different song. Have you ever thought of the song that way? Am I an idiot? Y'all are very quiet. It's making me nervous. (laughs) I've never thought of that song that way. I've always thought it was this song about these happy dudes. I didn't realize this song was all about how we people, gentlemen, it's, you know, 500 years old, forgive it for the patriarchal language anyways, the gentlemen can find a merry rest because Christ is born. And then I said, wow, that helps me so much with this scripture about Mary, because I'm wondering how does she get there? How does she listen to the angel's words and come out the other side and say, okay, what? You might die. What do you mean okay? And then I went back and I read it again. And I realized something. I realized that in my own life, I would have stopped listening to the angel long before Mary did. Do you notice the angel kind of buries the lead, by the way? The angel would have been a terrible journalist. Like, he buries the lead in his news. He says, greetings, Mary. God finds favor in you. And then at the very end, after he's told you're going to get pregnant and it's not your, not your fiancé's baby, he says this. He says He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Whoa, that's good news. But guess where I would have stopped listening? You tell me. Now, when you get bad news, do you hear the bad news and all of a sudden you hear the wah, 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 wah kick in? Yeah? Do you know what? Am I the only one? My brain kind of shuts down. I just hear sort of white noise. Here's what I would have heard. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Oh, cool. That sounds nice. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Angel says to her, do not be afraid, Scott. Okay. For you found favor with God. Oh, good. I found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb. Wa, wah, 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 You said conceive in what now? Now, besides the obvious anatomical difficulties of that news for me, Let's say I'm in Mary's shoes. You will conceive in your womb. How many of us would get thrown into anxiety? Would get thrown into concern, would get thrown into that rabbit hole of just freaking out, and we would have missed everything else. You will conceive in your womb. Your company is downsizing. wah 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 I've got your test results. Wah 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 wah, wah. Now, It's it's funny, but it's not, guys. This is real stuff. I think I want a divorce. Wah 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 wah. wah, wah. See, the story of Mary is not a it's not a funny, cute story. It's a difficult story. How does she get to so be it? I'm the Lord's servant. I'll follow your words. I love this story because Mary does two things really well that I am so bad at. She she listens and she is patient. She listens and she is patient. Mary keeps listening. You will conceive and bear a child, a son, and you will name him Jesus, and she keeps listening. He will be great, she keeps listening, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestors, she keeps listening. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end, she keeps listening. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, she keeps listening. And the power of the most high will overshadow you, therefore the child to be born will be holy, He'll be called the Son of God. And just when she probably thinks, How is this even possible? the angel says, and she keeps listening, For nothing will be impossible with God. She listens and she's patient and she receives not just the challenge, but also the promise. I would have stopped at You Will Conceive in Your Womb. Most of us would have stopped at You Will Conceive in Your Womb. And we would have missed, For all things are possible with God, the Son of the Most High. You will name him Jesus. He will be holy. His kingdom will never end. He will reign over this earth forever. All that lost because the anxiety and the concern and that rabbit trail just takes us over. So the good news this morning, church, is that in the challenges we receive in life and in God, there are promises and good news and blessings waiting for us if we will listen to what God is doing in that moment. I don't believe there's a single thing in this world that God cannot redeem. If you believe that, say amen. And I mean the worst this world has to offer. I don't mean that that means that God gives us the best possible outcome in our little minds because you think you know, but you don't. Amen? And I don't mean that that means that God's going to uplift us to this position of importance and we'll be celebrities and rich and wonderful because not everybody's going to like you. Amen? Amen? And I don't even mean that I'm going to be the most important cog in the wheel and that it's going to be me that saves the world from everything because I can't save anything on my own. Amen? But what I do believe is that when we receive challenges from this world and from God, that God is already at work in those things. That God, God is already preparing a path forward for us. That God is offering us promises and offering us blessings if we would receive them. And the only way we will is to be patient and to listen because we don't know and we're not going to save the world on our own. But this God who is talking to us in these moments could. So I don't know what kind of challenges you've received recently. I don't. I know some of them in the room. I don't know all of them. But I'm willing to bet that when we receive challenges, sometimes we hear, you will conceive in your womb. wah, 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 wah. And if we would only just listen to hear how God will be active in that part of our story as well. I wonder how it could change this challenging news into good news the same way it does for Mary. If you think Mary's news wasn't challenging, you need to read the story again because it was going to threaten her life. And she received it. And she walked forward with God. And her life wasn't perfect. And it was messy. And it was heartbreaking. And I know I know that she would have looked back and not changed a single bit because she got to be a part of the coming of Christ. Church, we get to be a part of the coming of Christ every single year in this season of Advent. So I encourage you to go home this week to find quiet time with God and to remember the image of Mary. And to receive the words from God and not stop once they get challenging, but to keep listening and keep patient and to find that those challenges are accompanied with promise. Because God knows you and God loves you, and in Christmas time, God is coming for you and for your life. Let us pray. Holy God. We come to you at this time as a people with a simple prayer in our hearts. That we could listen for your words. So that when life hands us challenges or when you lead us into difficulty, that we would not get stuck in the challenge and the difficulty, but we would listen and remain patient and understand that your promises and your blessings will take root if we would just be faithful. That this life doesn't always turn out the way we think it should. Those blessings, those promises might not sound like good news, but you are a redeemer. You can take the most broken and the most wounded You can make us whole. We might not end up with fat wallets. We might not end up with a million likes on Facebook. We certainly won't end up where we thought we would, but we'll be thankful because your promises will be made real and we will have been your servant. Keep us patient. Keep us listening. Amen.